This is Mitch Peterson, and you're listening to General Conference Applied. Thank you for joining me for Season 2, Episode 8. In this episode, we will be discussing Elder D. Todd Christofferson's October 2023 General Conference Address, which was entitled The Ceiling Power. To begin, I want to remind all of you that there are detailed show notes and a talk outline for this General Conference Address on my website. That website is mitchellryanpeterson.com. Additionally, I provide links in the podcast episode details. So that, that's an easy place to access those notes for anything that I say, quotes and such that you'd like to look up later on. That's the place to go. Additionally, thank you to those of you who are following me on Facebook and Instagram. As I've mentioned previously, I post on those two platforms throughout the week additional details about these conference addresses, additional thoughts. Sometimes I have thoughts after I've recorded a podcast episode, and so that's where I'll be sharing those those additional details is on Facebook and Instagram, and and you can access those links on my website or in the podcast episode show notes. Okay, let's dive into this. To begin, I wanted to report on my action item from General Conference Applied Season 2, Episode 7. As a reminder, that was Be Peaceable Followers of Christ by Elder Quentin L. Cook of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And I had committed to journaling for 15 minutes on the following topic. What am I doing each week that is reinforcing my identity as a peaceable follower of Jesus Christ? And then I also committed to sharing one insight from this journaling session with my accountability partner. So here's my report. I created an accountability contract with my accountability partner. This is something actually in the past couple of episodes, I've talked about a book that my friend Jeff Perry wrote, The Intentional Engineer. And in that book, Jeff talks about making an accountability contract with a friend of his just so happens that I'm that friend, but I decided to reciprocate and create an accountability contract with Jeff this week. And so I told him I would pay him 10 bucks if I didn't complete my action item from General Conference Applied Season 2, Episode 7. So naturally, I completed my action item just minutes ago, but better late than never. And here is the one insight that I shared with Jeff I am doing lots of good things to reinforce my identity as a peaceful follower of Jesus Christ. The one I'll share with you is that each day I am seeking for the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, and I feel his presence consistently every day. He is especially present in my life as I diligently and rigorously prepare a weekly General Conference Applied podcast episode. I would invite you to also take action, and and today we're going to talk about another invitation from an apostle prophet, seer, and revelator, Elder D. Todd Christofferson. I'm looking forward to this. Once again, the ceiling power was the name of Elder Christofferson's talk. As we've discussed in previous episodes of General Conference Applied, it's important to identify the applicable doctrines, principles, and Christ-like attributes of each General Conference address. In the ceiling power, I identified eight doctrines. One, plan of salvation, two, atonement of Jesus Christ, three, restoration, four, prophets and revelation, five, priesthood and priesthood keys, six, ordinances and covenants, seven, marriage and family, 
and eight commandments. I identified nine principles, one, prophets of God, two, the atonement of Jesus Christ, three, the priesthood, four, the church of Jesus Christ today, five, the family can be eternal, six, eternal marriage, seven, the law of, char of chastity, eight, temple work and family history, and nine, the gathering of the house of Israel. And I identified four Christ-like attributes, faith, hope, patience, and obedience. I've included detailed notes in the podcast show notes, but also I've, I've included quotes from the church's website, from the gospel principles manual for each of these doctrines, principles, and Christ-like attributes in the talk outline. So that would be the place to go if you want to dive deeper into these. I, I will be sharing additional insights during this podcast episode, but in the interest of time, I obviously can't dive into all of these doctrines and principles. Obviously, with this many doctrines and principles, we know that this talk is very dense. It's very doctrinally based. In each episode of General Conference Applied, we are attempting to answer two questions. First, what is the speaker inviting me to do? And second, how might I consider taking action? First, I thought it would be beneficial to do a, an overview of this general conference address. So first, what is the ceiling power? And obviously the title of the talk. What does Elder Christofferson mean by the ceiling power? He provides two definitions in this address. Here's, here's his quotes. First, the power to validate all priesthood ordinances and make them binding, both on earth and in heaven. And then second, Elder Christofferson stated, we tend to think of the sealing authority as applying only to certain temple ordinances, but that authority is necessary to make any ordinance valid and binding beyond death. The sealing power confers a seal of legitimacy upon your baptism, for example, so that it is recognized here and in heaven. So with those definitions in mind, know that the sealing power is not just referring to the sealing of husband and wife or the sealing of parents to children in the temple, although it includes that, but we're talking about validating the ordinances that are performed here on earth in heaven. And so I thought it would also be beneficial here to talk about being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. That's how this is talked about in the Doctrine and Covenants. That phrase is utilized. And I found this on the church's website. These are quotes from Elder Bruce R. McConkie, who was a former member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Elder McConkie had stated, the Holy Spirit of promise is the Holy Spirit promised the saints, or in other words, the Holy Ghost. This name title is used in connection with the sealing and ratifying power of the Holy Ghost, that is, the power given him to ratify and approve the righteous acts of men, so that those acts will be binding on earth and in heaven. Elder McConkie also stated, to seal is to ratify, to justify, or to approve. Thus, an act which is sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise is one which is ratified by the Holy Ghost. It is one which is approved by the Lord, and the person who has taken the obligation upon himself is justified by the Spirit in the thing he has done. And now I like this 
example that Elder McConkie shares. It, it was very visual and made it easier for me to comprehend what he was explaining here about uh, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. He stated, Elder McConkie stated, the operation and power of the Holy Spirit of promise is best illustrated by the ordinance and contract of baptism. An unworthy candidate for baptism might deceive the elders and get the ordinance performed, but no one can lie to the Holy Ghost and get by undetected. Accordingly, the baptism of an unworthy and unrepentant person would not be sealed by the Spirit. It would not be ratified by the Holy Ghost. The unworthy person would not be justified by the Spirit in his actions. If thereafter he became worthy through repentance and obedience, the seal would then be put in force. Similarly, if a worthy person is baptized with the ratifying approval of the Holy Ghost attending the performance, yet the seal may be broken by subsequent sin. He concludes these principles also apply to every other ordinance and performance in the church. Thus, if both parties are just and true, if they are worthy, a ratifying seal is placed on their temple marriage. If they are unworthy, they are not justified by the Spirit, and the ratification of the Holy Ghost is withheld. Subsequent worthiness will put the seal in force, and unrighteousness will break any seal. That's the end of the quote. So my takeaway here is that it's not enough for us to just go through the motions and perform the ordinances, that there, there are extra steps. And, and that's the case for those on the other side of the veil for whom we are performing ordinances. Just because we are performing a, a, an initiatory or an endowment or a baptism in a temple for a deceased ancestor does not mean that then that person's good to go. They also need to accept the gospel and choose to change and choose to follow our Savior Jesus Christ. And, and we'll talk about that concept in sh shortly. I liked this quote, and, and I think this is probably the most powerful quote for me from this talk. Elder Christofferson talks about an all-inclusive opportunity. He stated, the validity that the sealing power gives to priesthood ordinances includes, of course, vicarious ordinances performed in the place designated by the Lord, his temple. Here we see the majesty and sacredness of the sealing power. It makes individual salvation and family exaltation universally available to the children of God wherever and whenever they may have lived on the earth. No other theology or philosophy or authority can match such an all-inclusive opportunity. This sealing power is a perfect manifestation of the justice, mercy, and love of God. That's the end of the quote. That reminded me of a statement that Elder or that President Dallin H. Oaks had made in his October 2023 General Conference Address, which was entitled Kingdoms of Glory. As a reminder, we discussed that in General Conference Applied Season 2, Episode 2. Here's the quote from President Oaks. Another unique doctrine and practice of the restored church is the revealed commandments and covenants that offer all the children of God the sacred privilege of qualifying for the highest degree of glory in the celestial kingdom. That highest destination, exaltation in the celestial kingdom, is the focus of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's the end of the quote. In my journal this week, I, I wrote the following statement. The ultimate goal 
is to seal the entire human family together. Each of us is a son or daughter of God. This is why any form of prejudice against another is contrary to God's law. And as a follow-up to that statement, here is a quote from Elder Ulysses Suarez's October 2023 General Conference Address. His talk was entitled, Brothers and Sisters in Christ. We will be discussing this in, in just a few weeks on General Conference Applied. Here's the quote from Elder Suarez. I have deep compassion for those who have mistreated, belittled, or persecuted by unfeeling. Oh, excuse me. I have deep compassion for those who have been mistreated, belittled, or persecuted by unfeeling and thoughtless people because, in the course of my life, I have seen firsthand the pain good people suffer from being judged or dismissed because they happen to speak, look, or live differently. I also feel genuine sorrow in my heart for those whose minds remain darkened, whose vision is limited, and whose hearts remain hardened by the belief in the inferiority of those who are different from them. Their limited view of others actually obstructs their ability to see who they are as children of God. That's the end of the quote. It's powerful to recognize that this is an all-inclusive opportunity that everyone can make the choice to follow Jesus Christ and to strive to return to his presence, to live in his presence with our Heavenly Father in the Celestial Kingdom. As we talked about in General Conference Applied Season 2, Episodes 1 and 2, which were President Nelson's Think Celestial Address and President Oaks's Kingdoms of Glory Address, we choose each day by our actions which kingdom we want to inherit. And so the, the choice is ours. And I think, I think each of us here listening to this podcast episode is striving to take action on what the leaders of the church are inviting us to do and are striving to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that over the past few months, producing these podcast episodes has strengthened my testimony so much, has helped me become more like my Savior, Jesus Christ, has, helps, has helped me honestly become more intentional. I, was, I would attend church each week and strive to study, come follow me with my family and the gospel personally. But this focus on taking action on general conference invitations has, has made my approach to the gospel more intentional. It's helped me to become more like my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for that. I testify that he is beckoning to us. He is our perfect example. He has the power to save because of who he is and what he has accomplished. I know that's true. I know that he's our savior and that he loves each one of us, that he knows us personally. Next, I'd like to, like to talk about this quote from Elder Christofferson. He stated, the highest and holiest manifestation of the sealing power is in the eternal union of a man and a woman in marriage and the linking of humankind through all their generations. And we talked about that where ultimately the goal is to link all of us together to create this enormous chain of, of billions of links, ultimately linking the whole human family together. 
Elder Christofferson continues, because the authority to officiate in these ordinances is so sacred, the president of the church personally oversees its delegation to others. Elder Christofferson gave a talk in April, in the April 2015 General Conference. It was entitled, Why Marriage? Why Family? There is a powerful quote from that talk that goes along with this, this quote from the 2023 address where he's talking about the union of a man and a woman in marriage. Here's what Elder Christofferson had said in 2015. A family built on the marriage of a man and woman supplies the best setting for God's plan to thrive, the setting for the birth of children who come in purity and innocence from God and the environment for the learning and preparation they will need for a successful mortal life and eternal life in the world to come. A critical mass of families built on such marriages is vital for societies to, thr to survive and flourish. That is why communities and nations generally have encouraged and protected marriage and the family as privileged institutions. It has never been just about the love and happiness of adults. And I can vouch for that as a tax accountant. It's a better tax position to be married filing jointly. All right, I digress. Back into this quote. The social science case for marriage and for families headed by a married man and woman is compelling. And so we warn that the disintegration of the family will bring upon individuals, communities, and nations the calamities foretold by ancient and modern prophets. But our claims for the role of marriage and family rest not on social science, but on the truth that they are God's creation. It is he in the beginning who in the beginning created Adam and Eve in his image, male and female, and joined them as husband and wife to become one flesh and to multiply and replenish the earth. Each individual carries the divine image, but it, is in, but it is in the matrimonial union of male and female as one that we attain perhaps the most complete meaning of our having been made in the image of God, male and female. Neither we nor any other mortal can alter this divine order of matrimony. It is not a human invention. Such marriage is indeed from above, from God, and is as much a part of the plan of happiness as the fall and the atonement. And that's the end of the quote. I like this quote. This is under the principle of temple work and family history. It's in the Gospel Principles Manual. All temple ordinances are performed by the power of the priesthood. Through this power, ordinances performed on earth are sealed or bound in heaven. The Savior taught his apostles, Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Only in the temple can we be sealed together, only in the temple can we be sealed together forever as families. Marriage in the temple joins a man and woman as husband and wife eternally if they honor their covenants. Baptism and all other ordinances prepare us for this sacred event. Now, I also want to touch on, so I had shared that quote um, where Elder Christofferson was talking about the union of a man and a woman. But the second part of that quote, he had stated, because the authority to officiate in these ordinances is so sacred, the president of the church personally oversees its delegation to others. And so my uncle is currently serving as the Draper Utah Temple president. And it was actually President Nelson who interviewed him. It was over Zoom, but it was President Nelson who interviewed him and extended the call to serve. So that's a powerful application that it's the president of the church who delegates those keys. Additionally, 
I, I was inspired this morning to study Helaman chapter 10. And as a reminder, so what's happening here is we're reading the story of the prophet Nephi. And he has just um, predicted, well, he's just miraculously identified the murder of the chief judge. And so some people believe he's a prophet, but there's a lot of contention going on. And he's basically heading back to his home, pondering deep in thought, sorrowing over the wickedness of the people. And he hears a voice, and this is what he hears. Blessed art thou, Nephi. This is Helaman chapter 10, verses 4 through 5. Blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast with unwearingness declared the word which I have given unto thee, unto this people. And thou hast not feared them, and hast not sought thine own life, but hast sought my will, and to keep my commandments. And now because thou hast done this with such unwearingness, behold, I will bless thee forever, and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works, yea, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word. For thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. And in going forward, Nephi is given the sealing power to bind on earth and in heaven. And with that sealing power, there's a famine, a drought in the land. And But what I want to focus on here is that Nephi received the sealing power because the Lord indicates that Nephi would not ask for something that is contrary to the Lord's will. And I want to testify that the same is true for President Russell M. Nelson, that our prophet is seeking the will of the Lord, not his own will, but President Nelson is seeking for the will of the Lord. I've felt countless times over the past five and a half years that President Russell M. Nelson is the Lord's prophet here on the earth. I know that he is the Lord's mouthpiece here on the earth. Here's another couple of quotes. So in this talk, Elder Christofferson quoted Joseph Smith. So that'll be this first quote. And then he also quoted President Gordon B. Hinckley. So here's what Joseph Smith had said. What was the object of gathering the people of God in any age of the world? The main object was to build unto the Lord a house whereby he could reveal unto his people the ordinances of his house and the glories of his kingdom and teach the people the way of salvation. For there are certain ordinances and principles that, when they are taught and practiced, must be done in a place or house built for that purpose. And then here's President Hinckley's quote. I've said many times that if nothing else came out of all the sorrow and travail and pain of the restoration and the sealing power of the holy priesthood to bind together families forever, it would have been worth all that it has cost. And that's the end of the quote. We're familiar with the sacrifices that the early saints made to build temples and temples that ultimately they weren't able to keep. The Nauvoo temple was was ravaged and burned shortly after the saints had left Nauvoo. They obviously had to leave the Kirtland temple as well. And 
There are remarkable stories of the sacrifices that people made to build temples once they arrived here in Utah. And looking from the outside, some may say, well, why? Was it worth the cost? I mean, President Hinckley here is saying it is worth the cost, and, and he's well aware of the importance of temples. But those from the outside looking in may think, why? Why put so much time, energy, and effort into these temples when it doesn't seem like anything came of it because of ultimately they were the saints were driven out or they were were just in in dire straits i want to share a couple of quotes from from some books that i've i've listened to over the past year or so and then circle back onto onto why these matter so so the first comes from a book entitled start with why how great leaders inspire everyone to take action the author is simon sinek Here's the quote. Great leaders, in contrast, are able to inspire people to act. Those who are able to inspire give people a sense of purpose or belonging that has little to do with any external incentive or benefit to be gained. Those who truly lead are able to create a following of people who act not because they were swayed, but because they were inspired. For those who are inspired, the motivation to act is deeply personal. They are less likely to be swayed by incentives. Those who are inspired are willing to pay a premium or endure inconvenience, even personal suffering. Those who are able to inspire will create a following of people, supporters, voters, customers, workers, who act for the good of the whole, not because they have to, but because they want to. And then this quote is from a book entitled Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. And the author was Angela Duckworth. She stated, grit is about holding the same top level goal for a very long time. To be gritty is to keep putting one foot in front of the other. To be gritty is to hold fast to an interesting and purposeful goal. To be gritty is to invest day after week after year in challenging practice. To be gritty is to fall down seven times and rise eight. As Joseph Smith stated, in that quote, the, the object of gathering the people of God in any age of the world was to build a temple where he could reveal unto his people the ordinances of his house and the glories of his kingdom. That's where it started, and that's where it's accelerating now. As we're well aware, President Nelson has announced over a hundred temples just in the last five and a half years. People on the outside looking in may think, well, what's the benefit? It seems more like a cost to them, the, all of the expense that goes into the building of these temples and the maintaining and such. But those of us who have a testimony of this work, those of us who have experienced and learned in the house of the Lord know that it's worth it. It's worth every penny. I'm truly grateful for temples for what I learned there, for what I feel there, for what I experience there. The Lord is present in his temples. And I would invite you, if it's been a while since you've been to the temple, or if there's something keeping you from from entering the temple, whether that's not making the time for it or not having a recommend for it, 
do what you need to, to be able to get back in the house of the Lord, to feel his presence, to engage in his work. Continuing on, here's another good quote from The Sealing Power, Elder Christofferson's address. He had stated, Some have experienced unhappy and unhealthy family circumstances and feel little desire for an eternal family association. Elder David A. Bednar made this observation. To you who have experienced the heartache of a divorce in your family or felt the agony of violated trust, please remember that God's pattern for families begins again with you. One link in the chain of your generations may have been broken, but the other righteous links and what remains of the chain are nonetheless eternally important. You can add strength to your chain and perhaps even help to restore the broken links. That work will be accomplished one by one. In his talk, Kingdoms of Glory, President Oaks had stated, We also know that he, meaning Jesus Christ, will force no one into a sealing relationship against his or her will. The blessings of a sealed relationship are assured for all who keep their covenants, but never by forcing a sealed relationship on another person who is unworthy or unwilling. Here's another statement that I had written in my journal this week. We don't know all the details about our ancestors. Our responsibility is to seek them out and to perform ordinances vicariously in their behalf. Their responsibility will be to accept or reject those vicarious ordinances. And then here from President Nelson's talk, Think Celestial, this was footnote 11. President Nelson had written, of course, your agency cannot override another's agency and the attendant consequences. I was desperate to be sealed to my parents. However, I had to wait until they chose to be endowed when they were more than 80 years of age. Then they were sealed as husband and wife, and we children were sealed to them. Next, Elder Christofferson stated the following. In the funeral services for Sister Pat Holland, wife of Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, last July, President Russell M. Nelson taught, In time, Patricia and Jeffrey will be reunited. They will later be joined by their children and their covenant-keeping posterity to experience the fullness of joy that God has in store for his faithful children. Knowing that, we understand that the most important date in Patricia's life was not her birth date or her death date. Her most important date was June 7, 1963, when she and Jeff were sealed in the St. George Temple. Why is this so important? Because the very reason the earth was created let me, let me start that sentence again, because the very reason the earth was created was so families could be formed and sealed to each other. Salvation is an individual matter, but exaltation is a family matter. No one can be exalted alone. I noted that Elder Christofferson used the word taught. So he wasn't just listening to President Nelson speak at a funeral. Rather, he knows that President Nelson is the Lord's prophet, and when he speaks, he is teaching. And so the takeaway for me is it's, this is why it's so important to listen to the prophet's words, whether it's in general conference, in church magazines, on social media, or even at a funeral. Why is it so important for families to be formed and sealed to each other? Here's my response to that question. Because relationships or what makes a celestial life celestial. Every day we are striving to strengthen our relationships with our Heavenly Father 
our Savior Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, and our families. The sealing power is what makes it possible for those relationships to be perpetuated beyond the grave. And then here's a quote from President Nelson's April 2018 General Conference Address, which is entitled, Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives. As I matured and began to understand the magnificence of Heavenly Father's plan, I often said to myself, I don't want one more Christmas present. I just want to be sealed to my parents. That longed-for event did not happen until my parents were past 80, and then it did happen. I cannot fully express the joy that I felt that day, and each day I feel that joy of their sealing and my being sealed to them. That's the end of the quote. I think that's powerful. I, I want to read that statement one more time. President Nelson said, The very reason the earth was created was so families could be formed and sealed to each other. That will come into play shortly once we dive into this invitation from Elder Christofferson's address. But if, if that's why the earth was created, then are we focused on the sealing ordinance? Are we focused on binding families together for time and all eternity? Now here's a connection. Elder Christofferson gave an address in the October 2000 General Conference that was entitled, The Redemption of the Dead and the Testimony of Jesus. I'd like a couple of quotes from that talk that go along with this General Conference address. Elder Christofferson had stated, Our anxiety to redeem the dead and the time and resources we put behind that commitment are, above all, an expression of our witness concerning Jesus Christ. It constitutes as powerful a statement as we can make concerning his divine character and mission. We are anxiously about the task of searching out our fathers and mothers of generations past and binding them to us and us to them. Is not this the strongest possible evidence of our conviction that Jesus Christ will come again to reign upon the earth? We know he will, and we know what he expects we will have done in preparation for his return. Our charge extends as far and as deep as the love of God to encompass, to encompass his children of every time and place. Our, our efforts on behalf of the dead bear eloquent witness that Jesus Christ is the divine redeemer of all mankind. His grace and promises reach even those who in life do not find him. Because of him, the prisoners shall indeed go free. That's the end of the quote. And I thought that was an interesting tie-in that the reason we're engaged in temple and family history work is because of Jesus Christ, because of his perfect life and his atoning sacrifice, he has overcome both physical and spiritual death. Because of him, we now have the opportunity to make a choice today and each day and in each moment that will lead us to eternal life with our heavenly parents and with our savior. And we also have that opportunity to serve vicariously for our deceased ancestors. Okay, here is the one invitation that I identified in the sealing power. Elder Christofferson stated, this is a scene taking place constantly all over the world in temples. And so what he's talking about, the scene, is the sealing of spouses and family members. He's, he continues, this is the ultimate step in gathering the covenant people. 
It is the highest privilege of your membership in the Church of Jesus Christ. I promise that as you faithfully seek that privilege in time or eternity, it will surely be yours. So what this means. President Nelson stated that the very reason the earth was created was so families could be formed and sealed to each other. Thus, to me, Elder Christofferson's invitation is to make the sealing ordinance, both for ourselves and for our ancestors, the focus of our lives. I have prioritized initiatories in the endowment in my temple service because my wife Morgan doesn't need to be with me for those ordinances. We currently have young children in the home, and so we determined if we wanted to get to the temple consistently, that we would go on our own. Morgan often goes with some other women in, the, in our ward. But this invitation from Elder Christofferson rocked me a little bit and made me contemplate the sealing ordinance and that I'm, that I'm overlooking the importance of temple sealings and that I need to find a way to, to perform sealings in the temple more often, whether with Morgan or on my own. So how might I consider taking action on this invitation? I did not identify any directives in this general conference address. As a reminder, a directive is an official or authoritative instruction. It's oftentimes the speaker who gives ideas for how to take action on an, on an invitation. But in this case, we need to come up with the ideas on our own. So I've come up with three ideas. I've grouped these under the following. Family effort, family home evening, and family search. First, family effort. President Russell and Nelson gave an address entitled The Spirit of Elijah in the October 1994 General Conference. He shared some fantastic personal experiences that I think can benefit us as we endeavor to make the sealing ordinance of families, spouses, parents to children, the focus of our lives. In that talk, President Nelson stated, Sister Nelson, our family, and I have submitted our own ancestral names to the temple and have performed ordinances for them. Because we are fortunate to live near a temple, we like to meet there early in the morning. Usually in less than an hour, the initiatory, work, the initiatory work is accomplished. Our youth are taken directly to school. Their mothers return home and their fathers get to work on time. When we do endowments or ceilings, available adults prefer to meet early in the evening to share that choice experience. Following that, we gather at home to update our records and enjoy some of Sister Nelson's homemade goodies. So here are some questions for contemplation. What is your family's family history philosophy? How might you work together to perform sacred ordinances for your deceased family members? Perhaps you could organize a periodic family council to discuss these and other important topics. Additionally, perhaps we could periodically gather at the house of the Lord as a family to participate in sacred ordinances, then gather afterwards like President Nelson stated, you know, for a treat to nurture eternal relationships. I like that idea of instead of making the temple a solitary endeavor, 
make it something bigger, something that we're working on almost as a team. It's a team effort with family history work and then performing those ordinances in the temple. Here's another quote from that October, let's see, yeah, October 1994 General Conference Address. President Nelson had stated, we are also doing temple work for ancestors of a Russian convert to the church who is not able to travel to a temple. While our son was serving on his mission in Russia, this devoted convert entrusted records of his relatives to our son, along with a plea that their temple work be done. When our children and grandchildren go to the temple to perform those ordinances, our son's help is needed for pronunciation of names, but not for the perception of joy among all participants. Looking back on my missionary service, as a reminder, I served in the Brazil Fortaleza mission. I feel like I was much more focused on baptism, which is crucial. It's obviously the first step uh, onto the covenant path. But the inspiration that I received this week was the importance of missionaries focusing on the temple guiding investigators, new converts, and members to the house of the Lord. And so another idea for taking action could be to partner with your missionary daughter or son to assist in the temple work for the investigators, new converts, and members with whom they serve. When I was in Fortaleza, there is now a mission in Fort, uh, excuse me, a temple in Fortaleza. But prior to that, it was approximately an eight-hour bus ride to Hesife, which was the nearest temple. And so this, this would have been beneficial. I, I probably know many individuals in Brazil served nearby them, and they would have benefited from me bringing names to the temple on their behalf. And then President Nelson had concluded, he said, service in the temple together is a sublime activity for a family. It provides its own sustaining motivation and, ver and verification of the truth of this unique work. I really liked him summing that up. That it really is a sublime activity for a family. I'll admit, I've, I've contemplated this a lot this week. Not making the temple and family, not making temple and family history endeavors a solitary effort, but a joint effort, not only with my wife and I, but with our siblings and our parents. Okay, next I want to talk about family home evening. There's a fantastic resource on the church's website, and I've included a link here in the podcast show notes. It's entitled About Temple Ceilings. It just shares clear information and provides a number of scripture references and other resources, such as general conference addresses, that could very easily be discussed annually in a family home evening setting. Our children know that my wife and I attend the temple, but I, I feel that we could do a better job of explaining what's actually happening there. And it's, it's not secret, it, it's sacred, but you'd be amazed some of the things that are shared on temples.churchofjesuschrist.org. It's a valuable resource that it, personally, I wish that I had known about before receiving my endowment as an 18 year old uh, with a mission call. It, uh, I would have benefited from knowing more. 
And so that's another idea for taking action on this invitation. And then third, family search. As you're probably aware, family search is like ancestry.com. It's a, a resource for family history work. And my philosophy has been to attend the temple each month. And when I'm there to do five initiatories, and then immediately following, I would do an endowment session. That does lead to me being out of the home for more than three hours. And I've been doing it on Saturday mornings. And that's backfired a few times just because of all the activities we have going on on Saturdays. So I was inspired this week in the following way. So this is just an idea. Modify this as you see fit. But I had the thought that once every six months, my wife and I could attend the temple together. We could do temple ceilings together. And then immediately following the ceilings, we could go our separate ways and do five initiatories. And then the other five months, once each month, we would do an endowment session. And then on the sixth month, we would gather again and do the same thing, temple ceilings and five initiatories. And, and the, the thought I had was I would do this where we go together in February and August. We celebrate our wedding anniversary in August, and we've often enjoyed going to the temple on our anniversary to serve there. So it kind of makes sense to line up my timeline with February and August. Obviously, this is where you modify according to what works best for you. But the other thought that I had, and I'm not sure how this all lines up, but I've been utilizing the ordinances ready feature on Family Search. And if you're not familiar with this, basically you go to Family Search, you log in, you go to ordinances ready, you click on what ordinance you want. So say you're going to do initiatories, and it will pull five names from your family tree and will generate a PDF that you can then print and take those names with you to the temple. The thought that I had is if I do what I'm talking about, where my wife and I go and do ceilings together and then five initiatories, well, with those five initiatories, I could then, over the next five months, do the endowment for each of those five individuals. And then come either February or August, my wife and I could then do the ceilings for those five individuals as well. And so I'd basically be participating in the ordinances for one, for five individuals from not, not completely from start to finish because they would have already been baptized and confirmed by this point, but taking them through the initiatory endowment and sealing. And so this is obviously something I'm going to pursue, but I, I like this idea. And it also gets me and my wife in the temple twice a year doing sealings. Obviously we live close to temples, so we're able to get there monthly. And once we don't have small children in the home, then we'll be able to get there more frequently still. But adjust this, modify this, but it's just an idea. Just an idea that I, I wanted to throw out there and would invite you to come up with your own ideas for taking action on this invitation. So 
Remember this. If you remember nothing else from this podcast episode, remember this. Elder Christofferson is inviting us to seek for and prioritize the privilege of the sealing ordinance for ourselves and for our ancestors. On General Conference Applied, I'm a big believer in accountability and in taking action to not be a hearer of the word only, but also to be a doer of the word of the word. And so this week, I determined that I will contact family members. So on both my side of the family and my wife's side of the family to discuss how we might join together in temple work and family history, kind of going along with with what President Nelson had shared in that October 1994 General Conference Address. I really liked that idea of making making temple and family history work a joint family effort, building relationships. And to conclude, I wanted to share, so so I will take action on that. Um, I'll report it to my accountability partner and, and I'll report it to each of you at the beginning of next week's podcast episode. And to conclude, I just wanted to share this quote. It's from the Christ-like attribute of faith in Preach My Gospel. I have faith that God will bring about good things in my life and the lives of others as we devote ourselves to him and his son. I know that's true. Let me know, how will you take action on this general conference address? Would you let me know on social media? You can also email me. My email address is mitch at mitchellryanpeterson.com. I bear my testimony of the sealing power that the prophet Elijah did appear to the prophet Joseph Smith. I know that. I know that the sealing power is alive and well in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I'm truly grateful I'm truly grateful for that because I want to live with Morgan and our three children for time and all eternity. I know that this is the Lord's church. I know that the sealing power only matters because of Jesus Christ. If it weren't for him, his perfect life and example and his atoning sacrifice, it wouldn't matter. But because of him, we have this opportunity to be sealed with our loved ones, to live forever in the presence of our Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that's true. I bear this testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you once again for joining me. I look forward to speaking with you in future episodes. Thank you also to those of you who have subscribed to the podcast, who are sharing it with others. I really appreciate you getting the word out. And I look forward to speaking with you in future episodes. Have a great week.